Well, good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas. Uh, my name is Tom Wilson. I'm the senior pastor here at Reclamation Church. And for the first time in my history, uh, I've had to tell you guys Merry Christmas from uh, via my, my, my bathroom, which is under construction, uh, and being streaming to you guys. And so um, if you guys are kind of wondering what's going on with the Wilson household, let me give you a quick update. So first of all, last week I was not able to be with you guys because we were under quarantine because we had been exposed to covid um, it was last Sunday we found out my wife actually does have COVID. And so uh, thank you guys, first of all, for all your prayers and your support and your love and outpouring of a, uh, just a, just help. You guys have been a fantastic as the body of Christ. And I will tell you, it's been a, uh, it's been a long couple of weeks and we are anxious to uh, be done with this stuff and get back to normal. Um, so what does this mean moving forward? Uh, honestly, I don't know. Um, just being very transparent with you. Um, right now, the rest of the family is not showing symptoms, and so we are kind of just holding our breath and waiting and praying. Um, my wife, hopefully, it may be turning the corner. Um, she had a very rough couple of weeks, but she seems to be doing a little bit better day by day. Um, and then we've just got to wait uh, to see if the rest of us are going to kind of get past this thing or if we're going to come down with it. So, uh, you know, Lord willing, I'll be back with you guys maybe in a couple of weeks and definitely back before Christmas Eve um, is my absolute prayer. Um, if that doesn't happen, then uh, I'll be here with you guys via the screen. Um, but please know that I love you guys and I appreciate all you guys are doing for us. And Okay, so enough about that stuff. So we are starting a brand new series that we're calling Toxic Traditions. And when it comes to Christmas, there are so many Christmas traditions uh, that so many of us can talk about. I know for our family, uh, one of the things that we love to do, I mentioned it earlier, is the Christmas Eve service. And so we love to go as a family. That's, that's one of our cherished traditions. Something else we also do that night after we get home is we allow everyone in the family to open up one Christmas gift. Uh, and of course, they all know what it is. It's, it's pajamas for Christmas. But that's one of the traditions that we do. And for the most part, Christmas traditions are fantastic. In fact, what I'd love for you guys to do for me now, as you're watching on screen, is uh, just post one of your Christmas traditions if you're watching on Facebook. I'd love to go back and look at those and see what your traditions are. Um, but we're talking about the traditions that, quite honestly, might be better if we could move past them and drop them. Because what I've learned over the years, what you've probably experienced, is Christmas is really the great magnifier. And so things that may have been kind of suppressed or kind of you know down below the surface, they tend to come to the surface at the holiday season. And so where we're going to be going in this series, I want to share with you guys, uh, next week we're talking about um, something that most of us battle with us on, on one degree or another. And we're talking about healing from shame. Um, and we're talking about internalizing shame from something that we did to think that because of what I did, I must be a bad person. But what we're going to learn is that we are all new creations with God's grace. Week number three is one of my favorite. We're talking about overcoming labels. Um, so many of us uh, have labels put upon us or we put our own labels on our lives. Um, and we want to be going with what God calls us to be. And then week number four actually takes place the Sunday after Christmas. Um, and I'm actually very excited about this. And we're, we're enduring this now as the Wilson family. We're talking about embracing the unexpected. I think it's fair to say 2020 is nothing what any of us thought it was going to be like. However, with that said, God is going to be able to use so many things. and We've seen him use so many things. And so we, as Christ followers, need to learn to embrace the unexpected when it comes to uh, just the storms in our life. So today, what I want to talk about 
is uh, something that's dear to my heart, and it's something that I will confess to you that I'm learning to do better with uh, every single day as I draw closer to the Lord. We're talking about overcoming offenses and specifically getting over grudges. And so I want to ask you guys a question. For those who are in the room, you guys can raise your hand. For those who are perhaps watching online, you guys can post it or, or do an emoji or whatever you want to do. How many of you would say you know someone who is easily offended? You know someone who is easily offended. I would think we'd all say probably all of us know somebody. So let's take it a step further. Would you be willing to admit that perhaps maybe you get offended probably more than you should? I won't even say a lot. We're just going to say probably more than you should. Uh, I will share a very uh, real example of myself. So... Uh, one of the things that I've noticed in our culture is we, we have lost something over the years. And I, I'm not exactly old, but when I was back in the younger days, uh, we had these crazy things called manners. Um, and we would use these crazy words that if you're at a grocery store, and let's say you're stopping and you're looking at something, and, and before someone just walks right before you, they used to say these words, excuse me. And, oh, no problem, you go right ahead. Well, I will tell you, that happens hardly ever now. And if someone doesn't say it to me, I typically kind of get a little offended. And then I go, well, excuse me. And I'm like, that's, that's childish and that's silly. But the truth is, we, we tend to get upset even about some of the littlest things. And that doesn't even count some of the things happening with the holiday season. So let me, let me run through some of these and see if perhaps you can relate to some of these. Uh, let's say you're in the middle of your holiday feast. You're enjoying your favorite pumpkin pie or pecan pie or whatever it might be. And it's during that celebration and that feasting that maybe your, your mom leans over or your mother-in-law leans over and says, Hey, uh, have you thought about trying Weight Watchers next year? And you're like, oh boy, okay, really? You, you just ruined my whole Christmas feast, right? Or what about this one? You just finished the huge meal um, and it's time to clean up. And so there's just a pile of dishes and so maybe, maybe that's when your sister-in-law decides she needs to excuse herself from the table and then she conveniently kind of, you know, hides for the next hour while all the cleanup is happening. Yeah, anybody else can relate to that? Um, what about this one? Uh, maybe you're talking around the dinner table or, or maybe you're on the back porch and that's when your cousin tells you how great of a job they're doing raising their kids and then they begin to give you advice on how to raise your kids. And you're like, you know what, maybe I'm getting a little offended at this point, right? It's so interesting that during the holidays that, that little things can actually become really big and frustrate the tar out of us. And then the, tan the sad thing is it's, it's a time when we're supposed to be Christ-honoring for Him coming to earth to, to give His life for us. And so many times we end up finding ourselves offended with the people that we love the most. And so I, I talked about the little things. But the truth is, some of you guys are dealing with, with bigger things. And, and those offenses, they, they, they bury themselves deep, but they still become significant hurts. And they tend to raise and come to the surface, again, during the holiday times. And so maybe for some of you, you find yourself betrayed in a significant way, or someone has lied about you, or, or maybe verbally attacked you, or you've been ambushed, or uh, perhaps you've been abused. Uh, maybe it's a dysfunctional family situation. Um, I will tell you for myself, for years and years and years, I don't have a single uh, childhood memory from Thanksgiving or Christmas 
where someone is not getting up and, and, and yelling and crying and, and typically, you know, throwing out absurdities and maybe throwing something across the table and slamming doors and peeling off. Like, I, I don't ever want to see you again. And it's like, oh, it's Christmas. You know, it's like, oh, okay. Um, that was a lot of my childhood. Now, you may not have that extreme, but what we're learning as a culture is dysfunction in families tends to rear its ugly head, especially at the holidays. And so uh, I found a, a great tip, and I will tell you, I'm not endorsing any of these, uh, but this is kind of funny. Um, I came across an article in Oprah Magazine. So this is, this is from the writers of Oprah Magazine, and they offer five different suggestions, or they call them strategies, for dealing with dysfunction during the holidays. And just for fun, I wanna read through these really quick. Um, don't even worry about taking notes on these because they're really not worth it. Uh, number one, give up hope. And then here's what they're talking about. Expect that they will be as they normally are. And then if they don't turn out to be horrible, you might be surprised. So just give up hope. Uh, strategy number two, set secure boundaries. Decide who you will only talk to and how long it is until you will leave the event. And then they highly suggest taking your own car. That may not be a bad idea. Uh, strategy number three, lose control. Now, now, let me read this to you. Don't try to control others' thoughts of you. Feel what you feel. Know what you know and set your relatives free to do the same. It says, basically, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, even the opinion about you. That takes a pretty big person. Uh, strategy number four, play a participant observer game. Here's what they mean. This is more or less a game that you make note of how horrible you were treated or how embarrassing a family member was. And then you compare notes later on with your friends. And then it says whoever has the worst story wins. They suggest perhaps having a trophy each year or at the very least whoever has the worst Christmas around their family should at least be treated to a free lunch. So, uh, and then it says, uh, number five, play a debrief. Even if you don't play any participation games, uh, participation observation, observation games, it's crucial to follow up on family events by deb debriefing with someone you love. It says, if not another family member or friend, definitely consider finding a therapist. <laughs> so here's the closing statement. It says, of all of these strategies, from relinquishing hope of transformation to mimicking your relatives and hilarious conversations with your friends, they are designed, now catch this, all of these strategies are designed to help you love your family unconditionally in whatever way works best for you. It says they help you deal with dysfunction with genuine affection, then walk away with a clear and happy conscience. And that, in the end, may be the best holiday present you'll ever give to the people you cherish most. Okay, so... Not to knock the writers of the Oprah magazine, but I'm not quite sure how that really any of it adds up to loving them unconditionally. And so what I want to talk about as we kick off this Christmas series is really why the Christmas series is so important, the Christmas season is so important that we learn to overcome offenses. And I want to share with you guys our main point if you're taking notes this morning, and that is this. Your life is way too short, and your God is way too great to live life offended. 
Let me start with that first half. Your life is way too short. Scripture says that your life is but a mist. That's, ah, it's here for a moment, and then it's gone. And our life on earth is way too short to worry about carrying these offenses that someone has possibly hurt you. Uh, the next thing is, is your God is way too great. Your God is way too great, right? The Bible says that when we give him our life, that we literally become a new creation and that we possess the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so I would just like to, to kind of present to you that if the same Spirit that was able to raise Jesus from the dead lives inside of you, surely that same Spirit can keep you from strangling a loved one this Christmas season. Amen? Okay, so we can embrace that and we know we can absolutely get through this. And so what I want to do is I want to start by unpacking a verse with you guys, kind of kind of lay the groundwork, and then we're going to share some other verses. But we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. Proverbs 19, 11. And here's what it says. A person's wisdom yields patience. But it says, it is to one's glory, and then look at this word, to overlook an offense. To overlook an offense. Now, what does it mean to overlook an offense? Well, I think it's important to note what it doesn't mean. What it does not mean is that we pretend it didn't happen. And it does not mean we ignore it. And it certainly does not mean that we bury it down so deep that we kind of forget it's there and then it explodes one day around the you know, Christmas dinner table. That's not what it means. It means consciously we're deciding to let it go. It's essentially, it's a choice. Now that word overlook in the English language actually comes from two different words in the Hebrew language. It actually means to pass over. So that same verse, it very well could read, it's a person's glory to rise above, to overlook, to pass over an offense. In fact, even some more traditional uh, translations actually words it this way. It's to a person's glory to pass over a transgression, right? So there's a fantastic uh, quote from a pastor named Stephen Furtick. Here's what he says. An offense is an event, but being offended, well, that's a choice, right? That's where we are actually making a choice to be offended. And what I want to do for you is unpack two complete thoughts. The first one, and I'm going to be upfront with you guys, we're talking about smaller offenses. You know, we're talking about little little petty things of someone in a grocery store. We're talking about smaller things. But the second one I want to talk about is the heavier things. And we're going to walk a little more gently through that one, okay? So the first one is this. With God's help, if you're taking notes, with God's help, we can get over being easily offended. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 2, Paul says these words. He says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. And then he gives this incredible advice. He says, making an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. He says, be patient with other people. And because of your love, make allowances for them. Okay, so here's another interesting quote. Now, this one is anonymous. Um, I don't know who said this, but this person is actually quite brilliant. This person says, I would like to apologize for any whom, whom I haven't offended yet. But then he says, but please be patient, and I'll get to you shortly, right? Um, fun question. How many of you know someone who is not perfect? I think we could all say, that's all of us, right? Okay, do you know anyone who's perfect? You can't say Jesus. If you're married, I'm willing to say, you say you're not going to say it's your spouse, and I'm willing to bet money your spouse says it's not about you. 
I mean, how do you have a good relationship and a good marriage and a good friendship? You've got to learn to make allowances because you've got to know in advance they're going to offend you. Um, it's interesting how often we let uh, other people judges that, that let me say it again, how often we tend to judge others by their actions without knowing their backstory, but we expect everyone else to know our backstory. So let me kind of give you an example. So last week I had to go to Walmart, uh, always a, a great time for me. Now this was before we found out that my wife was positive with COVID. And so I, I left the house and I was masked up and I kept my distance from people and I made sure to do the, the self checkout where I wasn't interacting with anybody. And so I went to Walmart, I, I filled our, my cart with the stuff, the essentials, and it was, it was pretty big. And so I went to the self-checkout and I had this brilliant idea. Well, what if I took another cart with me, kind of like you, you might see it at, at a wholesale club or Sam's or Costco. And as I scanned things, I would just put it in the next cart, right? It made my life a whole lot easier. Um, well, there was an employee there who was, I guess, the manager or who thought he was in charge of the self-checkout world. Um, and, and he wasn't going to have it. He's like, we, we don't allow that. And I'm like, why don't you allow that? It, it would just be much easier for me. Um, long story short, it kind of escalated and, and it didn't get out of control or anything, but it was amazing how quickly I became offended. And it's almost as if I expected this individual to know my wife is sick at home. I'm going on hardly any sleep, right? My stress is up to here. I'm kind of overwhelmed with what's going on in my life. Did I expect to know that? I did expect that. It wasn't fair. There's no way he could have known that. But then here's honestly kind of our, our human reaction. That what's normal is, did I ever stop to think about what's going on in his life? Why was he somewhat on edge? Ashamedly, I, I, I didn't. I never once stop to ask the question, you know, does he have family at home that's sick? Is he exhausted? Um, it's interesting that we're willing to make amends for those when we know what's going on, but we, we assume that they're supposed to know what's going on with us. And so whenever someone is short, we need to be make sure we're going out of our way to ask ourselves the question, I wonder what they're going through. I wonder uh, where they're hurting, right? If someone perhaps is a little bit rude, instead of judging them, I wonder if it's some way we can minister to them. Or ask the Holy Spirit, what can I do to, to honor them? Or what can I be in prayer about with them? And instead of immediately taking offense, and this is something that I'm still working on, very confessed as your pastor, is we want to make sure we're taking the attitude of Christ in every situation. And so, again, the, the main point is my life is too short, and my God is way too great. And with his help, I, I can overcome being easily angered and offended. So if you're taking notes, here's our second point. With God's help... We can move past being offensive, even the big offenses. So notice I didn't use the words get over, okay? And I did that on purpose because I think for someone who's really got a deep hurt, um, where someone has really hurt them, abused them, attacked them, the worst thing you can tell someone is, is, is to get over it, right? It, that Those are really hurtful words. And for someone who, myself, have gone through pain, what we understand is with God's help, we, we can move past that, but never am I going to tell you to, to get over something like that. And I know for a lot of you, I want to walk this very gently, 
because some of you have some very significant wounds that you're working through. And so I know for a lot of you, especially the Christmas time season, this stirs up perhaps betrayals um, and, and hurts, um, perhaps abuse and lies. Um, and it tends to kind of raise itself to the surface at Christmas time and it becomes very, very real. And so earlier on, I mentioned that I didn't really have a, a, a childhood memory without uh, Christmas dinner, you know, fighting and cussing and running out of the room and slamming doors. Um, and what I've learned as I've gotten older is those reactions are almost always linked to a deeper hurt. It never has to do with, right, it's the wrong gravy for the mashed potatoes. I mean, that, that just happened to trigger it, right? It's always a deeper hurt. In fact, most therapists will tell you that when you've been hurt, you really have a choice, and that choice comes out to one or two extremes. The first one is, is we can rehearse what happened. And so we play it in our mind over and over and over. And what it does is it feeds the anger and it feeds the bitterness and it feeds the, 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 this dislike of that person more and more and more and more. We can rehearse it. Or the second thing we could do, especially with God's help, is we can learn to release it. We can release it. We can learn to rehearse it or we can learn to release it. I, I'm going to pass over is what scripture says, right? I'm going to overcome. I'm going to overlook that person's offense. And so we're talking specifically about forgiveness. And I'll just be clear, you know, the process of forgiveness is not an easy one. So what I don't want to do is, is sit here and, and preach to you and say, oh, just, just get over it and forgive that person. Um, the truth is it's very much a process. And so for for me and for you, for everybody else, what we can be doing is if we press into Jesus, as we, we pray more and more, and as we grow closer to the Lord, that Holy Spirit that lives inside of us can, can very much begin to soften our hearts and kind of shake things up a little bit and over time change our hearts. In fact, Colossians chapter 3.13 tells us this. And um, Now, these words, they very much resemble the same words Paul said back in Ephesians, but then he adds something else to this. Here's what he says. He says, we're told, he says, to make allowances, again, for each other's faults, right? So we know they're not perfect. No matter how much you love them, you care for them, you know eventually they're going to do something that offends you. So make an allowance for that. And then here's what he says, and forgive anyone who offends you. So if we've already been very clear that at some point everyone's going to offend you, then we've got to realize that everyone at some point is going to need your forgiveness, and then look at this. Here's what he says. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I will tell you, those are some huge words. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It was that exact verse that changed my life when I was 21 years old. You see, I was sexually abused when I was a kid, and I didn't follow those steps uh, of, you know, uh, releasing. What I did is, is I, I didn't really replay it necessarily, is I buried it down deep. And I had this hurt that had happened when I was about eight years old, and it happened for an entire summer of being abused. And, and I, I really didn't talk about it, I didn't think about it, but then I'm at an event and I hear this verse over and over and over and that Holy Spirit that I mentioned earlier began to kind of soften my heart. 
and it just came to the surface. And this is where I would love to say um, it was great, and I fell before my knees before the Lord. I said, I just, I forgive him. No worries. I, I didn't. Um, I ran, um, and I had a very hard time processing. But with God's grace and with, with help through God's family around me, I came to a point where I was able to forgive those people. And so the question is, how do we possibly forgive something that seems unforgivable? Right? Hurting a child can very much seem unforgivable. Uh, forgiving something that, that's so wrong, so brutal, so horrific, or here's one that's absolutely probably the hardest. How do you forgive someone for something they've done to hurt someone that you love? How can we possibly do that? Well, Scripture's very clear. We forgive the way we've been forgiven. And now this is the part that I'm going to get real with you guys and just say, hey, honestly, you're, you're not perfect. I love you guys. I'm not perfect either. We've already established that we, we all make mistakes. We all mess up. So therefore, we all require forgiveness. And what Jesus says is, is forgive as I have forgiven you. So we can do this with God's help and understand it is a process. And so God helped me forgive. God changed my heart. God helped me uh, Give grace as much as you've given to me, Grace. And God, I pray for this person, even though I don't want to. Those are not easy steps. The bottom line is, this Christmas season, if you find yourself in a situation where you are, uh, shall I say, offended, uh, perhaps on edge, um, and, and the reality is, is you're more concerned with what that person did for you, and they are robbing you of your joy rather than embracing Jesus Christ into this beautiful season, what he's done for you, it really starts with this hurt, and it starts with us learning to overcome and get over the small things, but then move past the larger things and embrace who God is and understand that he forgave us, and we're called to do the same. And so, in fact, this Christmas season, I just want to remind you guys that we are never more like our Savior than when we forgive other people as well. And so this Christmas, as we start this, this series off, I wanted to start very clearly um, that, yeah, Christmas season can be hard for some people. There's great traditions, there's good traditions, and then there's just rough traditions. Uh, traditions of you uh, depressed and upset and crying and enraged and, and reflecting back. And my prayer for you is that this holiday season that you don't spend the time that we're called to honor Christ and remember Christ and what he did coming to earth hating someone in your life. And so I want to pray for you guys now as we wrap up this message. Um, and again, I, I, I love you guys, and I hope to see you guys soon. Um, but just know that, that we are not alone, and we are grouped together by what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. So let, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come to you now. We thank you so much for, for who you are, uh, not only the incredible example um, of going to the cross, being an incredible servant, being an incredible sacrifice and dying for us and forgiving us our sin, but then being willing to, to move in us and move us to a place that we absolutely can overcome and, and move past, is what Scripture says, and, and go beyond the, the offenses that have happened to us. So, Father, we thank you for your grace, and we pray that you would help us when it comes to those in our lives that we could show that same grace to them. It's in Christ that we pray. Amen. Merry Christmas, guys. Hope to see you soon.